Welcome to the Truly Miss Podcast. I'm Candace, and each week I'll tell you about underreported missing people of color. All people of color must be vigilant in reporting crimes and evidence to help bring back loved ones when it's possible and get closure when it isn't possible. Trigger warning for today's episode it contains mention of homicide, suicide, and there's also mention of harm of a child that is not the main child that we are focusing on in this case. Cases about children will always be harder for me to cover. There's too many of them slipping through the cracks in society. All children are the responsibility of the community. They are defenseless in a harsh world. If you know of a child that needs help, there will be resources available at the end of the show. Don't think that someone else will just speak up. Speak up for someone who can't. Today, we will discuss Renisha Rudd. Renisha Tanal Rudd was born on October 29th, 2005 to Shamika Young and Irvin Rudd in Washington, D.C. She has three younger brothers. Relisha was a wonderful big sister, always helping her mom with her brothers. She was attending Payne Elementary in 2014 and was described by her teachers as bright, quiet, and well-behaved. Shamika had fallen on hard times and ultimately ended up living in the shelter with her four young children and her boyfriend. Her current boyfriend, Antonio Willard, was the father of the two youngest boys, and Irvin was the father of one of the sons, as well as Relisha. This shelter, now permanently closed, was once DC General Hospital. It was worse for wear with a rodent infestation, no place for children to be playing, and a high amount of crime and drug activity. During this time at the shelter, the family had befriended a 51-year-old janitor by the name of Khalil Tatum. Immediately, he began taking special interest in Relisha. He bought her gifts, and he gained the trust of her mother to be left alone with her occasionally. Reportedly, he had taken interest in other young girls in the shelter as well, and rarely interacted with the young boys. Khalil did have a felonious past, but nothing involving children. Shamika denies that Relisha was ever left with Khalil alone under her care. She claims that Relisha was left with Melissa, her grandmother, which Melissa denied. Relisha had not had good attendance in school and the school officials were starting to notice. Shamika would give some excuse, but absences were still considered unexcused without the proper documentation. On February 26, 2014, when Relisha was eight years old, reports stated that Shamika left Relisha in Khalil's care. Later, surveillance would show that around 7.30 p.m. that same day, she was seen with Khalil at a Holiday Inn Express in Northeast DC. There is never a reason for any adult and a child who are not related to be visiting a hotel under these circumstances in the city that they live in. On March 1st, Relisha is spotted again on surveillance footage at the same Holiday Inn Express Hotel in the evening. This will be the last time she was confer confirmed to be seen. On March 2nd, Khalil is seen purchasing a 43-gallon tote, large trash bags, a shovel, and lime. He spends the majority of the day around Kenilworth Park and Aquatic Garden. Shortly after these events, Shamika posts on social media flaunting large amounts of money and new material goods such as watches and handbags. Shamika's mother, Melissa, claims that the money was not received in exchange for Relisha. At least some of this money did come from an insurance settlement, but the timing was definitely odd. Money aside, it doesn't excuse the following facts in this case. School officials are mandated reporters when they see a child who may be experiencing neglect or abuse or have a ridiculous amount of excused absences. They are also required to find out the nature of these unexcused absences, usually to be followed up with a doctor's note or trip itinerary or whatever the case may be. There was a conference at the school on March 5th that Shamika did attend alone about Relisha's attendance. Some sources say that she was in the school on the 5th, but it varies in other reports. The consensus was that the last time she was seen for sure was March 1st. Shamika told the school that Relisha was under the care of Dr. Tatum, as in Khalil Tatum, the felonious janitor with an affinity for young, vulnerable girls, 
who was also not a doctor. On March 10th, Khalil contacts the school and states that he is treating Relisha for neurological complications and that she would be released in a week's time. While her brothers continued to attend school, there were no signs of Relisha. On her 10th absence, March 13th, this case was reported to Child and Family Services. Now here's another crack that Relisha fell straight through. Her case was not considered high risk, though she had not been seen in nearly two weeks by now. The social worker assigned to her case isn't named, but I'll refer to her as Jane, doesn't even attempt to set up a meeting with this, air quotes, Dr. Tatum until the 19th. Of course, he doesn't show for the meeting and instead rushes hurriedly from the shelter before Jane arrives. Once there, Jane discovered that Dr. Tatum was really Khalil, the janitor. She reports this to the police immediately, but it's too little too late. When the authorities question Shamika, she sticks to her terrible lie of a story. She tells them that Relisha left with Dr. Tatum to attend a medical conference in Atlanta, Georgia, and that Relisha was safe with him. She claims that they left on March 8th and that she had spoken to them on March 17th. Relisha had been missing for 19 days at this point. Authorities and Jane continue to try to contact Khalil all day. On the evening of March 19th, Khalil, his wife Andrea, and a third person check into a Red Roof Inn motel around 10 p.m. in Oxon Hill, Maryland. The third person is not Relisha. A little after midnight, Andrea is seen leaving the motel alone and then returning sometime after. The third person didn't stay the night at the motel, but returns the next morning to pick Khalil up and take him to the metro station. This person was not allowed by Khalil to enter the room and Andrea did not go to the station with them. On the morning of March 20th, around 9 a.m., Andrea is found deceased with a single gunshot wound to the head. Following this gruesome discovery, an Amber Alert is finally issued for Relisha, but it still takes several hours. DC Police also holds a press conference pleading with the public to help find Relisha. Immediately, a warrant is issued for Khalil with a $20,000 reward from the FBI and a $25,000 reward from the Prince George County. His vehicle is found abandoned on March 21st, but there is no sign of him or Relisha. On March 22nd, a second Amber Alert is issued. On March 27th, DC Police Chief announced that the search for Relisha is most likely a recovery for remains given the circumstances. On April 1st, Khalil is found deceased from a self-inflicted gunshot wound in Kenilworth Park and Aquatic Gardens, where it is believed that he disposed of Relisha. He used the same gun to kill himself that he had used to murder his wife. The police and volunteers searched the garden grounds extensively for several days before calling off the search. There were no signs of Relisha. A grand jury later deliberates on whether or not to charge Shamika with obstruction. She lied to the school officials, family, and police. She has previously been charged with child neglect for all of her children. She allowed Khalil to pose as Relisha's doctor, knowing good and well he was not a doctor, and Relisha had not been around for weeks at this point. No charges have ever been filed against Shamika, but eventually she does lose custody of her three sons. Irving, who had previously served time for beating another one of his children to death, obviously could not obtain custody of his son. And the other boy's father, Antonio, was still living in that shelter, so he was not able to get his sons back either. All three boys ended up in the foster care system. The mayor of D.C., Benson Gray, ordered an investigation into the mishandling of Relisha's case all the way back to what could have been done at the school. They made several public pleas for information. In September of 2014, a report is published examining all the factors in Relisha's case, and here's a couple quotes from it. Quote, from September 2013 through March 2014, the deputy mayors found that multiple human service agencies and DCPS were engaged with this family. 
The agencies knew of the involvement of other agencies but did not consistently share information or consistently convene interagency team meetings with case managers at these agencies, nor did they seek the consent of each family member to share their information with the providers. Therefore, information about the family's strengths and needs known by one agency was not fully communicated to others and the interventions were not coordinated, end quote. So right there, they're saying that there were several agencies that did not do the job to the best of their abilities. It also clearly states that there is not appropriate cross-communications between agencies that are supposed to be in place to help these families going through tough times and children that cannot defend themselves. Another finding from this report states, TCB conducted a pre-employment criminal background check on Mr. Khalil Tatum. Despite prior felonious convictions for burglary and breaking and entering, D.C. law did not prevent Mr. Tatum from working at a family shelter in close quarters with his residents. Mr. Tatum was screened for his position consistent with the requirements of current law and was not in a safety-sensitive position as defined by the Child and Youth Safety and Health Omnibus Amendment Act. There should be an amendment to this amendment because this law says that he wasn't in a safety-sensitive position even though he had direct access to children. He was not supposed to have any type of friendship or relationship with these families as a part of his job guidelines, but he was able to spend enough alone time with the family, especially Shamika and Relisha, to gain the trust to be able to leave the premises with his child who was not his. I'll get into Shamika's part in this in just a few. This report goes on to lay out several other in instances where there was not appropriate mandated reporting, no follow-ups, no communication among the agencies, and no urgency in even noticing that Alicia was in trouble or missing. I have linked this report if you want to read, and it's infuriating because it's not just one person's fault. It's not just one agency's fault. It's the fault of all these systems that don't work together with so many cracks that young children slip right through them every day. Most of the adults in Relisha's life were not fit for her to be in their care and not paying enough attention to the neglect that she and most likely her brothers were suffering from. Let's remember, we're talking about an eight-year-old child, not a teen runaway. Even after all these, air quotes, missteps, they claimed that there wasn't much more that they could do to help Relisha, mainly because everyone was getting a different story and no one was sharing the right information. But Shamika is where this all starts. She never gave the same story twice. Every time any wrongdoing was focused on her, she deflects to other people. She had been reported to child services previously for neglect. She did not report her daughter missing. She repeatedly lied about why Relisha was absent. She lied to the school about Khalil being a doctor and even had so far as to call him to pretend to be the doctor. She willingly let her eight-year-old daughter leave her side with a 51-year-old man that she was not related to and had no connection to outside this shelter. A grand jury wanted to charge her with obstruction for lying to the police. Her other children were eventually taken from her as well. I could just go on. These are all facts that were reported over and over again. At the very least, she should have been charged with child neglect, criminal negligence, abandonment of a child, and obstruction to start with. And as part of the terms of whatever sentence that they worked out, she should be required to tell the truth about whatever arrangement that she made with Khalil for Relisha. Shamika and her mother also have a familiar dispute. Melissa filed an order of protection against her daughter, citing that Shamika and two unnamed family members attacked her at a visual for Relisha. Shamika agreed to stay 100 feet away from Melissa as well as have no contact with her. However, she denies attacking her mother. A witness also says that the incident did not happen the way Melissa says. In spite of that, she was still granted the protection order. I also feel like the school administrators could have done more. Like, where are the doctor's notes? Did anyone follow up to verify the alleged hospital that Relisha was under the care of? And then for the police to say that nothing could have prevented is really wild. 
Granted, the police didn't know she was missing, but a lot of people did know. And that most, this most definitely could have been prevented, even if not by them. And then the Amber Alert system. They found Khalil's wife in the morning. The Amber Alert was not issued until almost eight hours later. How can they admit fault, admit outdated and inappropriate reporting policies across multiple agencies and mandated follow-ups, but then say they did all they could? They literally admitted that they didn't. Relisha was failed by a broken system and parental neglect. She was given to a predator and now she's gone. Her social workers and student officials did not do their due diligence to verify the information that they were given. The social worker did notify the police as soon as she found out Khalil was not a doctor, but Relisha had already been gone for three weeks. It should have never gotten this far. There should have been a way for the school to follow up with the child's doctor directly after a certain amount of absences. This is in 2014. A quick Google search could have confirmed that Khalil was not a doctor and that Relisha was not under his care. A call to the supposed doctor's office or some sort of official letterhead or something could have confirmed that this information they were being given was false. Somebody along the way could have stepped in and gotten this child into a safer situation. The whole family is riddled with drama and it's not ideal to be raising young children in. Yes, we all fall on hard times, but we don't all leave our children with random men. Khalil killed himself and his wife, I'm guessing, because of some sort of guilt. Andrea could have found out about whatever he was doing or grooming young girls to get ready to do. He took his secrets when he took Andrea's life as well as his own. My heart breaks for Andrea and for Relisha as well. She was gone almost a month before anyone was ever really looking for her. On March 1st, 2015, one year after she went missing, a prayer vigil was held in Relisha's honor at Mount Perrin Baptist Church in DC. A group of volunteers that call themselves the Relisha Red Task Force are relentless in searching for answers. In 2016, the Relisha Rudd Law was introduced to City Council. This bill will require parents and guardians to report a missing child under 12 within 24 hours and a child between 13 and 18 within 48 hours. It weighs so heavy on my heart that a law like this would have to even be introduced. If your child is missing and you don't know what to do, start by calling the police and utilizing the resources that you can find online. If you know your child is missing and you've done nothing to prevent it, go on down to your nearest precinct and just turn yourself in for me. At the time of her disappearance, Relisha was eight years old. She was four foot tall, 80 pounds, with brown hair and brown eyes. She was wearing a purple winter jacket and pink boots, last seen in the D.C. Maryland area with now deceased 51-year-old Khalil Tatum. The police have stated that there is no evidence that supports her being alive or deceased and are still looking for new leads. And even though they expressed that they were searching for her, they did express that this was a recovery mission, not necessarily still a search. And there hasn't been much of an update since. If you have any information on what may have happened to Relisha, please contact the Metro Police Department at 202-265-9100 or 202-727-9099. And you can text 50411 with any tips. If you know of a child that's in danger or missing, please contact missingkids.org, NamUs, or 1-800-THE-LOST. You can also contact your local child protective services or your local police precinct. You can follow, like, and share these cases on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, or LinkedIn at Truly Miss Podcast. You can also send me an email at trulymisspodcast at gmail.com. Please follow and rate on Spotify, Apple, Anchor FM, and Amazon Music. If you would like to support the show, please visit anchor.fm slash trulymisspodcast, and there's a support button if you would like to help me continue researching and spreading these stories. 
There are a few episodes available on YouTube that have a script and photos pertaining to each case. Every rating gets the show closer to a bigger audience. These stories need to be heard. If you have a story you would like to share or you have any tips on the cases I have already shared, please email or DM me. No one is looking hard enough for us, so we should be looking for us. I focus on people of color as these stories don't get as much coverage. Hopefully, we can build this community one listener at a time. All sources are listed in the show notes. Please help this family and other families get one step closer to bringing their loved one home. Raylisha is truly missed.